0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now.
1: Church, do you remember where we left off last week? You go, well, where was that? Well, Jesus had just performed one of the greatest miracles the world had ever seen. You go, what was it? Well, his friend Lazarus had died. Okay, he was dead, and Jesus comes and he raises him back to life after four days. Now, the significance of this is so amazing. Okay, I want you to picture the scene Jesus comes. And and they're like, oh, and they're crying, and they're moaning, and they have, and they said, my brother, if he would have died, and we could really relate to that, and Jesus says, hey, take away the stone, and they're like, no, 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 Lord, he stinks, what are you doing, I mean, it's one thing to visit the grave, but you don't want to open the grave, and Jesus says, open, roll away the stone, and so they do, and he says, And he prays out loud and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, I mean, four days later, he comes out with the grave clothes completely on. And this was amazing. The people are astonished and, and, and they just, they're just tripped out. And I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine being invited to a funeral and, And the pastor walks in and he says, hey, get up. And the guy gets up. Everybody would just freak out, man. We'd run out the door. Oh my gosh, I thought he was dead. And he was. I mean, it would be amazing. But here's the two applicational points that we really learned, guys. Here's here's the one thing we got to just walk away with. First and foremost, chapter 11, with the raising of Lazarus, gives us a beautiful picture of our salvation. Okay, if you take time to dwell on that, you go, what do you mean? Well, you see, we're all born... In this life, spiritually dead. Okay, you came out physically. The doctor looked at you, smacked you. Ah! But you're alive, but you were physically, you were spiritually dead. Okay? It wasn't until, again, guys, it wasn't until we, what, till we become born again. As a matter of fact, in John 3, 3, he says, Nicodemus is talking to him. He says, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? He says, you must be born from above. So we need to be born. And, and, and you can see that, right? And so again, we see a beautiful picture of our salvation. Jesus, as the power of God, has the power to bring what the dead to life. And it's still a work of God. Now, here it is. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what's so important, okay? In our culture, what happens, guys, is that we think that we need to lend God a hand by the works that we do. Okay. Salvation. Cool. God, you got this. The cross. Amen. But let me just kind of help you out here and, and I'll, I'll work and I'll sing and I'll, and I'll give money and I'll serve and I'll, I'll do all that so I can help earn my place in heaven. You may know what I'm talking about. Here's what I want you to see. If chapter 11 is a beautiful picture of our salvation, here's what I want you to know. Jesus did not ask Lazarus to help him at all. He didn't go to the tomb and go, hey, Lazarus, if you'll just move a toe, then I can help you better, right? He didn't do that. And you go, well, what was the point? Why would he just, why would he go up to a completely, how many days, guys? Dead body and raise him. Here's why. Listen, because we need to understand that our salvation, our salvation is 100% work of God, not man. There is nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There is nothing you can do that you could earn your salvation. Guys, we could not make ourselves come to life any more than Lazarus could. There were so many times growing up that we thought, man, I want to be better. I want to, I, I just need to, I need to, and, and you guys know this, I'll clean myself up. I'll go to church. I'll read the Bible. I'll do this. I'll do that. And the Lord's like, no, salvation comes from 100%, it's my, it's my work. Why does he do that? So we can rest. Because think about it. If you're working for your salvation over here and you mess up just a little bit, what happens? The enemy comes and goes, you're not really saved. Look at it, And then we work harder and we work harder and we work harder. And God goes, listen, I want you to work as a result of our relationship, not because you feel like what? Not like you feel like that, that if you work, you'll be saved. You'll be saved, right? So we understand Lazarus, guys, was was just like us. He was dead. We were, as Paul wrote, dead in our trespasses and sins. But then Jesus, what? He made us alive together by the grace. He says, by grace, you have been saved. So we go, oh, wonderful. When you read chapter 11 from now on, you'll say, oh, that's a beautiful picture of my salvation. What, What did you do to get saved? I just trusted Jesus. I just laid there dead. And Jesus came in and he saved me. Right. Number two, it's also a picture of our coming attractions, coming attractions. Right. You go to the movies. Right. They'll give you a trailer coming to attra- coming in the fall of 2018, coming summer 2019. You sit there and you'll watch these trailers. But think about this. Think about the resurrection of Lazarus. OK, that's going to be the same thing, guys. It's going to be the same thing for us. You go, why? I mean, Paul, and, and, and here's the thing. Let's just be honest. Sometimes as believers, we don't even get excited about this anymore. Jesus come back. Yeah, Jesus come back. Amen. Yeah, so one day he's coming back, but I got to get to the groceries because we don't have any food. And, and we get so busy. But think about this. This is what Paul says. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, of, right? With a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God right? He ain't going to come no quiet. He ain't going to be like, "Stay, hey, <laughs> come on up here. He's going to shout. People are going to know. And, and I love that. Why? Because back in this day, the mediums, the wizards, the, the soothsayers, they
0: would all whisper their incantations.
1: Jesus is like, no, 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 no. When I'm coming, you'll know. I'm going to come back with a shout, right? So there we are. We're, all, we're, we're, we're busy, right? With a shout in the trumpet of God, he said, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And he says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So what John is doing, guys, through Jesus, he says, listen, I'm going to give you a preview of what's to come. It's going to happen 2,000 years. It could happen today. You and I could leave here at church. We could be right in church. And the Lord's like, that's it. I'm coming back. And with a shout, we could be out of here. That's exciting. But let me ask you this. Are you ready? And here's what I mean by that. How many of us, guys, how many of us should be walking with our heads up in the clouds going, I'm ready for the Lord to come. I'm ready. He's coming with the shout, with the shout, ready to go, ready to go. Why? Because when that happens, we're going to be with the Lord forever. Do you guys know what that means? No more pain No more crying. No more sorrow. No more heartbreak. You know, I mean, mean, it's just, I wonder what he'll say. I wonder if he'll say, will he say like Lazarus? Of course, he can't can't just name persons, right? He's got to name all of us. I wonder if he'll just say, come forth, you know, with a big shout. Or will he say like in Revelation chapter 4, what is Revelation? He says, he might say, come up here. Either way, I'm looking forward to that. So. The resurrection of Lazarus gives us two beautiful pictures. Now, back to our story. Before we know the reactions, okay? Before we get into how people are going to react to this miracle, I want to share with you what basically what I found on the internet. It's called an interview with Lazarus. Okay? Could you imagine? Let's just say. Now you go. Is it in scripture? No, it's not in scripture. I found it on the internet, and uh, you know. But I thought it was very interesting. You gotta. You're gonna have to stay with me because Lazarus. He's a comedian, okay? So they're going to interview him. I want to share with you just a little bit, okay? Imagine with me that someone went to Lazarus right after he was resurrected the next day, and he says, wow, let me interview you. So you have an interview, and you have Lazarus. You guys ready? Here, labor with me for just a moment. Here's the interviewer, right? Oh, we're here today with the man of the moment, Lazarus, who yesterday was spectacularly, and some say miraculously, raised Back to life by Jesus. Lazarus, thanks for joining us. He says, you're welcome. I've been dying to come on this show. (laughs) So, Lazarus, how do you feel? Well, after four days in resting in peace on my deathbed, I'm a bit stiff, but surprisingly quite refreshed. Apart a few times that I had to roll over in my grave, it was nice to see to get some downtime, if you know what I mean. Not really, the interview says. But... You have been able to work out what actually happened to you? Lazarus says, all I know is this. Last week, I was sick and died. But to my surprise, as much as anybody this week, I'm alive. The interview looks at him and he says, but what happened? Where did you go? Lazarus says, well, I'm glad you raised that question. But I really don't know. I was dead. What has the attention been like, Lazarus? Overwhelming. It seems like I raise a crowd wherever I go. I didn't get a wink of sleep last night, and I'm dead tired today. Okay, jokes aside, Lazarus, can you give us a bit of background about yourself, your family, and what they think of this whole near-death experience of yours? Lazarus looks at him and he says, Well, I was born and raised in Bethany, twice now in fact. I have two sisters, Mary and Martha. They've all been quite through quite a lot in this last week. Well, can you expand on that? What have they been through? Well, for starters, it's not a near-death experience as you described, but a fully death experience. I was dead. Kicked the bucket. Bit the dust. Passed away. Pegged out. Pushed up daisies. Fell off my perch. Gave up the ghost. Dead as a dodo. Gone. Okay, 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 I get it, he says. But uh, how did your family react? Lazarus says, sorry. Well, understandably, they were distraught. Both my sisters were, were, were also quite upset with Jesus as they thought that he had made a grave mistake in taking so long to get there. But obviously, they were pretty happy with the end result, and especially since the dispute over my body was resolved. A dispute, the interviewer says? Yes, my family has a tomb, which we had for four generations. But we missed the last few tomb insurance payments, and they were threatening to sell it off, which is what they call in the tomb industry a dead giveaway. But fortunately, the undertakers didn't let us down like they normally do and allowed us to make up extra payments. In the end, we got more than we asked for. Lazarus, are you taking this interview serious? Lazarus says, dead serious. Well, you have spoken with Jesus about it? How about what happened to you? Lazarus says, yes, I raised the topic with him and said, thank you repeatedly. But have you asked him why? That's a good question, Lazarus says. And it's raised a few eyebrows. What do you mean? Well, some of my friends said that I have been flirting with death for years. They were truly mortified when they heard the news. But you haven't answered the question. Of course, I have. <laughs> you, no, you haven't. You're just making terrible jokes. Sorry, the interview. Life is not about making jokes. I agree. There's more to life than puns. You did it again. Did what? You made a rotten joke, like you just did. Now the stakes have been raised. You're doing it deliberately. It's. It is too much. Yes, these puns are killing me. Sorry, I'll try to main my decomposure. I mean composure. Stop it. Stop what? I know what you're doing. You're trying to get a rise out of me. No, I'll leave that to the Messiah. Now, you guys know that, what, puns are the lowest form of comedy. But nonetheless, that really didn't happen. In reality, guys, there wasn't an interview. I thought it was cute. I thought of what could what would Lazarus really say? Here's what the Bible says. In chapter 12, Lazarus didn't say anything. We find him next week sitting just having dinner, minding his own business. He was not he was not and people were astonished. So Lazarus really didn't have an interview. But what did happen guys in the word of God? is that there was reactions to those who witnessed all of this that was going around and that's where we pick up our story today guys we pick up our story in verse 45 notice what it says it says then many of the jews who had come to mary who had come to mary and had seen the things that jesus did believed in him but some of them went their way to the pharisees and told them the things that jesus did now here's what we learned last week guys here's what we determined This was, I want you to feel the weight of this. This was an extreme makeover resurrection style, okay? You heard your friend. Now, maybe you weren't as close with Jesus as Lazarus was, but you heard your friend Lazarus had died, and you knew that it had been four days, and you're with the family, and you knew that 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 he was already buried. He was in the grave. He was in the tomb. And Jesus shows up at the scene. There's a crowd that follows. He says, roll away the stone, right? You're thinking, what's going to happen? This is crazy. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus is raised from the dead. That blows your mind, okay? Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, listen, and many of the Jews who had come to Mary, all of the family, all of the friends, all of the acquaintances, when they saw this, they believed in Jesus. They put their faith and trust in Jesus, right? Now, here's what we learned. Here's what we learned. Okay, Lazarus comes walking out alive, and the Bible says that many of the Jews believed, and I was, and that made me sad. You go, whoa, 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 whoa time out, Ben. Why would, why would that make you sad? Because you know what it really should say, and all, everyone believed in Jesus. Everyone. They looked at that and on the whole crowd. What we should have seen, guys, is there was a revival that broke out right on Lazarus' tomb and that people were just coming to, the, to Jesus by the droves. But verse 46 says, But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. Guys, can you imagine? Can you imagine? There were people who went, my Lord, my Savior, and they bowed down. Now, you understand the implication, right? You understand that as they put their faith and trust in Jesus, salvation came into their heart and that they are right now in eternity waiting for y'all, waiting for us to come. They're saved. They're with the Lord. That day changed their life. You realize that, right? And yet there's a group of people that said, um... I don't know what I just saw. I don't know what I just witnessed. But here's what I do know. We need to tell the Pharisees. I don't know if Jesus is the Messiah. I don't know if he's the Savior of the world. But we need to go tell the authorities what we just saw. And I'm thinking, why? Right? Why? Why wouldn't you believe? Well, guys, let's fast forward to 2018. There's a lot of people out there. That when they see the miracle of your life, when they, see, when they see a changed response in your life, when they see how you're different than what you were five years ago, six years ago, ten years ago, they still don't believe. That's good for you, brother. That's good. That's, amen. Good. Jesus. Thumbs up. Religion. All right. And you go, why? Why wouldn't? It, um, listen, my closest family and friends, why wouldn't they believe? Why wouldn't why wouldn't my family but they they know me? They're the ones who know me the the the, the 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 word the best they know me the best why wouldn't they believe? Here's why listen that's because the hardness of the human heart. I could imagine, guys, that I could imagine that some of the people in the crowd were thinking, listen, if I believe in Jesus, if I believe what I just saw with my own eyes, I'm gonna have to change. I can't go party with the guys. I can't do the things I want to do. I can't have my attitude. I can't have my opinion. I don't know. You know what? Listen, listen, if I can score some money, if I can score some duckies, if I can score some cash, I'm going to go tell the Pharisees because I I don't know if I really believe this. I bet some people in the crowd were going, hey, listen, that was a setup. I bet Lazarus was in there the whole time. I bet they rolled over the stone. I bet they put some grave clothes and then then it was all a setup. I don't believe. I don't believe. Let's just wait. Let's wait and see. How can we confirm that Lazarus was really dead? Right, you guys hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of people who will just will just be skeptical about your life and they keep waiting for you to fall. I've been walking with Jesus 30 years. See, I knew you were going to fall. I knew it. I knew it wasn't real. Really, <laughs> I've been walking with Jesus thirty years. I mean, come on. No, no, no. Because people go, listen. If I can look at your life and I could find a flaw and I could find, then, then, then I can keep my life. Spurgeon, the great pulpiteer, reported, uh, called the reporting of this to the Pharisees, quote, some of the meanest conduct that has ever been recorded in human history to run. Notice what it says. Guys, Think, look what it says. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. I wonder what that conversation was like. You won't believe it. Jesus, you know Jesus? Remember last week you were trying to stone him? You were trying to kill him? He's over there. He's at it again. What did he do? His friend Lazarus was dead four days. Now he's alive. He's raised up from the dead. And, and I wonder what that... But we do know this. Check it out. Verse 47. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. And if we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Guys, think about it, okay? here's. Let me just paint this picture for you. The opposition at this point has changed. You go, What do you mean? First, guys, remember, they opposed Jesus because they weren't convinced he was the Messiah. They thought he was just some nutcase out there doing crazy things, and all the people were following him. But now, now, okay, three years later, they are convinced. They're opposed him because they are convinced he was the Messiah. Yet, they even admitted the miracles. But look how they treated the miracle worker. Number one, they denied him. Number two, they opposed him. And number three, they were afraid, they were afraid of his influence over other people. Well, I think he's crazy. Leave him alone. Wait a minute. He could be the Messiah. He's going to take away our, no, 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 right? That's what's going on, right? Now, here's what he says. If we... If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. That's the wrap. That's what's going on, okay? So the religious leaders knew the logical response to, the witness, to witness the works of Jesus to believe in him. And they feared many more would believe in him. Let me just say this to you. If you're taking no, isn't that the point of your life? Isn't that really the point? You go, what do you mean? That people would see your life and believe in Jesus. That's really the point. All this other stuff that you're blessed with, okay? You're blessed with a good marriage. You're blessed with, with a good job. You're blessed with a family. You're blessed with kids. You're blessed. All that is to be used so that people can see Jesus in your life. What if I said this? What if you're blessed with suffering? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. The Christian isn't supposed to suffer. We're supposed to be uh, in front. We're supposed to... No, no, no. But what if we do suffer, guys? And I know we do, right? We suffer. We have trials. We have tribulations. That God wants to use to glorify God. The problem is, right, we blow it. We blow it. In our suffering, guys, we... Well, I said this on Wednesday... When you're going through a trial and the world is watching you, that speaks more of your relationship that you have with Jesus than it does with, about you. People know you're, you're human. People know you're going to make a mistake. But when, they, when you're claiming and living and believing and walking and, and, and they know you're a Christian and you go through a trial and you totally biff the trial... They're, they they'll forgive you cuz they know you're human everybody makes a mistake but what they do is go wow he claimed that he had a relationship with god what happened what happened maybe there maybe there isn't a god or maybe maybe in our time of suffering god abandons us or maybe you know maybe when we need him the most god's not there see that's the point guys our point is really simple that people see our lives and believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Well, they're, they're, they're tripping, right? Because they're saying, listen, look, 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 look. If we leave them alone like this, everyone will believe in him. That's one thing. And then he says, then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Right? What are they talking about? They're talking about the temple, the holy place, right? The temple. They're saying they're going to take away the temple. They're, gonna, they're just going to overthrow the temple. But not only that, they're going to overthrow our position You see, they were more interested in keeping their power and their prestige than submitting their lives to Jesus. For some reason, we feel like there's a huge disconnect between the position that God has raised you up in in the world, whether it's a CEO or whatever it might be, and a real walk with God. They think, I can't do both. I can't do both. On the contrary. On the contrary. You see, the world has told us that if you're, if, if you're going to crawl up that corporate ladder, you've got to step on everybody, and, and it's a dog-eat-dog world, and you've got to do everything else. That's what the world says. And you say, okay, I'm going to call that corporate ladder. And you get up there, and you find out that you're at the top, and it's very lonely at the top. But when you surrender your life to Jesus and say, everything I do, I'm going to do to honor God, he may not have you be a CEO, but you're going to be the happiest you've ever been. Verse 49, and one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, not the whole nation should perish. Look at verse 51. Now, this he did not say on his own authority. But being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, not only for that nation only, but also that he would gather in together in one of the children of God who were scattered abroad. Now, your attention, please, Caiaphas, guys, was the high priest, okay? And he was actually controlled by Ennis, but Caiaphas was a high priest. And, and so they're having this meeting, okay? They're having this meeting. They gather together and they're thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're stressed out. Jesus, if, if we just leave him alone, okay, uh, people are going to believe in him. And then if we leave him alone, Rome's going to come in here and they're going to destroy everything. We won't have our power and position. I won't be able to drive my chariot anymore and, and I'll lose my 401k and I'll just, I don't know. I don't know what we do. We need to, we need to do something. Caiaphas steps up at this point and he says, guys, stop. He says, don't you know anything at all, nor do you consider that is, and then he begins to prophesy, which is weird, because he doesn't even know he's doing it, right? And he says, isn't it not better, my, my translation, isn't it not better that, that one person die for the whole nation than the nation die? Okay, context, context, they were just talking about Rome coming in and taking their place. Okay, so they weren't going, hey, listen, if we leave this around, Rome's going to trip, and they're going to come in here and wipe us out. So it's better that this man just die than everybody else die for the nation. and not only not only this nation notice what he says that he would gather together in one the children of god who were scattered abroad who's that that's right that's right see it was only and and that's the whole point a lot of people listen listen we're we're pro israel we love israel those are god's chosen people but you're also god's chosen people and he says okay gentiles love you love you now here's what's going to happen here's what's going to happen okay right now God has put the Holy Spirit on the Gentiles, okay? That's us, and that's why people are getting saved. Now, one day, like We read it, right? You're going to hear this trumpet. You're going to hear this this shout. Boom, right? We're going to be taken up to heaven. We're going to be raptured, caught up. Now, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit will then be taken off the Gentiles and then put on the Jews, okay? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says is that we're waiting for that less Gentile to get saved, and then the Lord's going to go, okay, boom. And he's going to take the Holy Spirit, and he's going to put it on the nation of Israel for seven years. Where are we? We're up in heaven having a good time, right? We're, we're having supper, right? The marriage supper of the lamb. And you guys know there's no calories in heaven, right? We don't have to keto nothing. I mean, it's all good. We can eat, and we're just going to be amazing. Why? Because we'll have glorified bodies. And I've already got my order in okay you listen could let's let's trim down a little bit lord we we're good and a little bit taller and and so we're gonna we're gonna be doing that, maybe I could dunk it, Lord in heaven, I don't know, hopefully, and then the holy spirit's gonna be there but but here's what we he love that's us Caiaphas says he prophesied about this without even knowing it. He looks at the religious leaders and he says, Can't you see it's to our advantage that one man die for the people, then the whole nation be destroyed? John explained that this unconscious prophecy of Caiaphas was greater than he could have ever imagined. The death of Jesus was also gather in one the sheep of another fold. That's us, John ten sixteen. Now, here's what you need to do, okay? Guys, just so you have a good understanding of the Bible, look right here in 49 to 52. This is actually known as, or this is what we call um, uh, vicarious atonement, okay? Vicarious atonement. This is what we learned a couple of months ago where Jesus will lay down as a substitute for our lives, right? Right? This is that substitutionary right here. He's going to be the substitute. When he was talking about being the, you guys remember, when he talked about being the, the door of the sheep, he said, I will lay down my life for the sheep. That word for in the Greek actually means, right? I'm going to substitute instead of. This is exactly what he's saying. And you go, well, pastor, why would you... Why would you bring that up? Okay, well, let's do some work just a little bit, okay? So you understand, okay? This is, this is called vicarious atonement. Let me explain what atonement is, just so you get a good feel for it. Atonement is a theological term for the act of paying for and, theref- and thereby redeeming sin. That's what atonement means. The word is often used in the Old Testament to translate the Hebrew words kipper or kipperium, which means propitiation the word atonement encompasses Christ's work of redemption on behalf of his people. So you have, you have the substitute, right? Atonement. The center of Christ's work is to which the whole New Testament is expounded was what? Which Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. Christ's death is the very heart of the Christian faith. Now, This is what, this, right here is what should put you guys to rest in your walks with Jesus. Number one, when you got saved, you didn't have anything to do with it. Okay? And it was not your heritage. It was not your um, religion. It was not anything. You had nothing to, it wasn't how good looking you are. You had nothing to do with it. He saved you because he loved you. And he saved you because of who he is, not because of who you are. Okay, There wasn't one of us going, Lord, save me. I think I'm better than that guy. We're all sinners. Can I get an amen on that? So so rest in that. The second thing is is that you can rest because, because the cross, the death of is the heart of what your faith is. Whenever they ask you, how do you know you're saved? How do you know you're a follower of Jesus? It's because of the cross of Jesus. I put my faith and trust in that. That's what we got to hold on to, guys. That's our foundation. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to take a big jackhammer and he wants to crack our foundation so that we don't understand that we need to just rest in him. We need to rest in him. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. I'm going to stand right over here, okay? Okay let's just say this is works of salvation. This is works. These are things we do, okay? Not because we want to make it to heaven. We've already got a secure place in heaven. These are just works, okay? We give money, okay? Why? Because, because it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. How can we trust God for our salvation when we won't trust God to make ends meet, I trust you, God, that you'll take my soul into heaven. But man, with money, I don't know how good you are with that. We will serve. We will serve. We will be security. We will do children's ministry. We'll clean the church. We'll do whatever they ask us to do. We'll serve. That's a work. Okay, we'll, we'll help. We'll have compassion. We'll go out and, and, and we'll love out loud, if you will. Works right here. Let me illustrate it this way. How many of you have ever seen a fruit tree struggle to produce fruit? Struggle. You seen that, Joe? They don't struggle. They just sit there. And this, right. And what happens if we don't get a freeze, right? All of a sudden, they'll go, bloop, 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 bloop. bloop. they have all these buds on them. And before you know it, there they are. I've never walked up to the tree and he's like, oh! I'm like, what are you doing? Oh! What are you doing? I'm trying to make apples! Really? Did you see? Get away from me! You know, I mean, none of that, right? They just, they just sit there. That's the point, fruit, right? When you understand this principle of your rest and your salvation in Christ, all of this just comes naturally. And you got Joe out there blowing, and he's got his little blower, making sure the church looks nice. Why is he doing that? He's trying to secure a place in heaven. No, 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 no. It's a natural byproduct of where he's already been. Right? It's exactly what he's saying. It's exactly. Now, note the reactions, right? What happened? Well, you have hard hearted tattletales. Despite the miracle, they won't believe. They won't believe. Here's what scares me, church. You ready? Here's what scares me. I wonder how many people were there. I wonder how many people were there that didn't believe but acted like they did. I wonder how many people. When you go, Pastor, why would you say that? Because I think in our day and age, we have a lot of people who play church we have a lot of people who aren't real with God. We have a lot of people who, who, man, they'd like rubbing elbows with Christians because Christians are cool and it's the place to be. I wonder how many people were there going, oh, yeah, man, what what'd you think? Oh, it was awesome. Do you believe in Jesus? Sure. You? Yeah, all right. Let's go get something to eat. That's fellowship around the miracle. Lazarus, how's it going? Wow. And So, Lazarus, you were really dead, bro? Yeah, I was really dead. Huh. I wonder how many people I wonder how many people were there. They saw a miracle but they never encountered the miracle worker. They saw it. They saw it. They saw it. Wow. But they never took the time to meet Jesus and to believe. I just wonder. I just wonder. you see our churches in these days, they're filled, they're filled, they're filled. They're filled with a lot of people who don't know Jesus. and That's okay because they're hearing the word of God, but I want them to know Jesus. I want them to know Jesus. Number two, notice the reaction of the religious leaders. They hated Jesus. They want to kill him all the more. They hated Jesus. Now, it has to be a hard heart to kill somebody who's done nothing but amazing. Well, I mean, you bring a dude back to life. You, you know, you, you, you've healed a crippled man since birth, right? I mean, think about it. Not only physically, but think about the woman at the well. She is emotionally wrecked. Think about the woman who was caught in adultery. The very act. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. And yet, what do they want to do? Let's kill that dude. Let's kill him. That's only the hardness of the heart. Right there. Right there. So what happens? Look at verse 53. Then from that day on, what happens? They plotted to put him to death which is interesting because these were law keepers and murder was against the law. But they're like, well, listen, that's going to be an asterisk there because, listen, we're the religious leaders, and sure, we don't condone murder, but we got to murder him. It's just how it is. He's the Messiah. Here's what I find funny. Listen, look at verse 53 again. From then on, they what, they plotted to kill Jesus. You guys got that? If you were to look over in chapter 12, verse 10, they're also plotting to kill Lazarus. Right? The dude that was just dead, we gotta kill him. I'm I I'm, I'm think about it. I mean, Lazarus would be like, oh, been there, done that. You know, I didn't get a t shirt, but nonetheless, I'm back. I mean, think about it. I, I think it's crazy for me. It's like the guy was dead, let's try to kill him. So now. As we approach verse 54, guys, you can make a note, we're going to start to enter the final week of Jesus' life. Now not right here, it is going to start, OK? Verse 54. "Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews. And he went from there to a country near the, from the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. Again, here's what I want you to see. Jesus didn't do this out of fear. He wasn't like, oh, they're going to kill me. I better run. Why? Because Jesus knew that an hour had not yet come. We saw that in John chapter 30. It's going to come. He'll be back, but it's not right now. You go, well, where is Ephraim? Is that like the tribe of Ephraim? No, this, uh, this is just north of Jerusalem. It's kind of close to Samaria. It's just a small city named Ephraim. So he's like, okay, let's just let's go hang out over here for a little bit. Let's just, let's go, you know, let's just go hang out here for, for just a bit and it says and the passover of the jews was near and many from the con- and many from the country up to jerusalem went up to jerusalem before the passover to purify themselves and they sought jesus and spoke among themselves and stood in the temple what do you think that he will not come to the feast now both the chief priests and the pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was he should report it that they might sees him. Guys, do you see that? Do you see that? Now, here's what I want you to see. And the Passover of the Jews was near, okay? So we know that there's going to be a week in there. So we know that they're going, okay, so this is just a little before, a few, few days before the Passover week is going to happen, many of the Jews started coming so that they would purify themselves okay? This means that the last few days before the coming Passover, which Jesus would be betrayed, arrested, condemned, and crucified, many of them would would come and try to purify themselves before this was happening, okay? You go, well, like what? Well, some required a week. Others consisted of just shaving their head and washing their clothes, right? Here's their main question. Is he coming to the feast? Now, again, they probably have the expected as an answer, no, they're not coming to the feast, they figured, oh my goodness, nope, he's probably, he's not going to come back. He's not, he's not going to be here. But here's what I do want you to, I want to draw your attention to, okay? It says, are they going to come to the feast? Now, verse 57 says, now both the chief priests, everybody see that? And the Pharisees had given a command. Now, here's what I want you to see. Most of the chief priests were Sadducees. And they were normally very uncooperative with the Pharisees. They just didn't get along okay? They, didn't, they were rivalries. The, the Sadducees were not really religious in any way, shape, or form, but here's what I want you to see. You have the chief priests, Sadducees, and then you have the Pharisees, okay? And you go, okay, so they didn't get along. What was it? Here's what I want you to see, guys. These two groups found common ground and found a common cause to oppose in their opposition of Jesus, And you go, well, what's the point? Isn't it funny how people who are enemies will join forces to fight against God's people? These two people never get along, okay? These two sides of your family don't even talk, but you become a Christian, and now those two come against you in your Christianity. What? You see, I mean, we see it throughout Scripture. The chief priests... We don't like the Pharisees, but we'll like you today because we have the same cause. Kill Jesus, kill Jesus, kill Jesus. It's like, wow, okay, Pastor, I get it, I get it. Now, that's where we end our story. So let's close our Bible study with this. Let me kind of give you a summary form, okay? Chapter 11, 57 verses, okay? Most might think it's about Lazarus. It's about Mary. It's about the resurrection. But if you're taking note, guys, chapter 11 is all about Jesus. Even though this miracle affected so many people. It affected Lazarus. It affected Mary and Martha. It affected the disciples. We don't want to go die with you. And Jesus says, come on, we're going to go die. It affected the the family and friends. It, It affected all kinds of people. Okay? The purpose of Lazarus, the purpose of bringing Lazarus back to life was really, really simple. You go, what's that? So that people would believe in Jesus. Guys, that they would put their faith and trust in him and serve him and follow him all the days of their lives. So now you need to take a step and you need to look and you need to ask yourself this question. Do I really believe in Jesus? do I? And if you can answer, yes, and absolutely, I believe he is the son of God. He was fully God and fully man. He laid down his divinity. He became completely human. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he died. I believe. I believe. And a natural byproduct of that is that you would be serving him wholeheartedly. And your life, your life, your life would reflect that. Where? In your home, first and foremost. Your life would reflect that in your home. And your kids would see that you have a real walk with Jesus. Need, then, then it would be reflected in your job. And that we're not trying to step on anybody's toes, but that we, we are men and women of integrity. And our yes is yes and our no is no. And we're going to do our very best to honor the Lord. And when, and, when, and when an opportunity presents itself for you to be dishonest, you say, no, I can't because I believe in Jesus. Oh, but if you just, if you just do this, you'll get a promotion. I can't. I can't. Because you need to understand, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to than to hurt my Lord, my Savior Jesus. I think if we were going to really interview Lazarus, I don't think he would give us a bunch of puns, but I think he would do this. I think he would simply look at us, smile, and say, "Jesus." And he would say, I know him so much deeper now. I know him so much deeper. And I think he'd look at you and smile and say, not only is he my good friend, but he's God. See, the ripples of the shore of your life will affect all those around you. And that's so. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth of your word. We thank you, God, that we made it to verse 57. We thank you and we look forward to what you have for us next week. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.
0: Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227.